I felt I was out of place. I felt like they went out of their way to make me feel a lot different. I, I thought that was a bad thing, but now that I'm an entrepreneur, you gotta stand out to be different. So own it. I don't know if you're gonna see this voice memo, but I thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. The question is, are you happy? I'm the happiest I've ever been right now. P.S. Be the person who you'd want to meet because somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Are You Happy? Podcast. We are so happy to be here with Jimmy Clare, who is not only a motivational speaker, but he is also an advocate and author, as well as the founder of Crazy Fitness Guy. So we are inspired by everything that he's done thus far, and we can't wait to learn more. So without further ado, I give you Jimmy Claire. Jimmy, how are you? Very good. How are you? Doing good, thanks. I have to ask, what does it feel like to be an author and an advocate and to be like, you know, in the middle of your journey, but then also helping others in theirs? It feels great. And it kind of feels weird at the same time. Because if you asked me growing up, what do you want to be? This was far from what would come to mind? Do you remember what came to mind when you were younger? Well, I remember saying one time I wanted to be a chef. Yeah, I think a chef and then a photographer. And somehow I got into this. So it sounds like, you know, with a chef, they go off recipes, but then they also innovate new dishes and tastes, right? As a photographer, you have a unique perception of the world around you. So it seems like there's a theme that you gravitate toward areas that are very, very unique to you. Would you say that as an author and as a speaker that you get to kind of navigate and weave the type of content and the type of things that you've discussed, but you're kind of like a master of everything that you've done? Yeah, I would say so. None of my writing is ever consistent. By that, I mean, even though I tell the same story over and over and over again, it's always in a different way. Some people, some publications have all the details, nitty gritty details, and some just want the highlights and some of them just want the bare minimal. So it kind of keeps it really interesting and sometimes very daunting because for the co-author book that I did, it was a one page, but they wanted 1,200 characters exact. And that was with spaces included. I mistakenly mistaked it for 1,200 words. When I went back to read the invitation, I'm like, well, that's a big difference, 1,200 characters and 1,200 words. It was very daunting because I'm a person who puts in a lot of details. It's hard for me to take away stuff because I always think everything is so important, but I don't know. That's just my brain, I guess. Everything's important down to the last detail, so I think that it's pretty admirable to consider that, you know? When you're working on something, you're not just doing it, but you're doing it as thoroughly as possible, and you're really thinking about the work that you're doing. So I'm really curious to hear about your upbringing. I understand that it was, you know, a difficult road, but your parents were very instrumental in just giving you all of the love that they could. So can you tell me more about growing up? So growing up, I was, my parents were told I wouldn't be able to walk without braces or crutches. I had neither. I also been told I wouldn't be able to read heart higher than a second grade level. And I'm currently in college being at a college level when I was younger. And I remember going to physical therapy 
occupational therapy as well. I wasn't talking at a very young age when I was supposed to be. And my mom's friend's husband, when he was alive, he told my mom, he's like, don't worry about Jimmy never speaking because one day he'll never shut up. And he was totally right because I haven't shut up ever since. Well, I'm so glad you haven't. Well, sometimes my parents would like me to shut up. And they told me, it's like, can you just stop talking for a little bit? And I, and I said to them, I was like, I gave you a couple of years. I'm making up for lost time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Your story is amazing. And I just have to say, and you know, congratulations on everything that you've done and everything that you will do. But I'm, I'm so happy for you in that you didn't really accept things as they are. You know, you 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 didn't accept the doctor's advice initially. So some people might have, and they might have just lived according to whatever the doctor said. But how how did you figure out that you could do more of that? Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> how did you figure out that you could do more or that you wanted to still strive for more? Where did that come from? I think my motivation to prove everybody wrong was because I was faced with adversity, like, eight years of bullying and and my persistence with reporting to the principals, teachers, other staff in the school. I even had stood up to the bullies in around 11th grade, and I was able to do that with P90X, which is a workout program that you do over 90 days. And I lost 30 pounds, and I remember going up to them in math class at the end of this, towards the end of it, after they just made fun of my friend who was happened to be in a wheelchair, and they were just making fun of her. And it's like, how's that funny? And it got to a point where I just was about to snap because I don't feel like the school took it very seriously about the bullying and whatnot because, yeah, you can suspend the bullies, but they don't want to be in school anywhere, so that's a vacation. Give my attention. They don't want to be in class anyway, so who gives a crap? Oh, okay. We'll give them extra homework or send them down to the principal's office. Like they care, like their parents care. I doubt that. And so finally, I decided to take matters in my own hands. And even though growing up, I was involved with karate. I was a little rusty with my skills, so I really didn't want to have a physical confrontation with anyone because I didn't like the odds of three versus one. And I, so I stood up in my math class, so I walked over to them and I cursed, I yelled, and I called them every name in the book that I could think of. I sent them to the principal's office and I went up and I thought I was truly in trouble. I thought my parents would freak out because I said a lot of nasty, absurd things. I'm not very proud of myself for saying those things. And my grandma probably would faint. But when I but when when I got to the principal's office, my principal told me to come into her office and was like, Yep, here we go, I'm in trouble. And she's like, you're not in trouble. I'm like, that's the complete opposite of what I was thinking. And she told me why I was in trouble because I was standing, I was standing up to the bullies. I stood up for me and my friends. 
The next day, the bully tried to do one more thing. One of the bullies tried to do something one more time. I reported him again. This time he got expelled. And once the other bullies learned that he got expelled, they didn't want to mess with me ever again. And I rem- and then a few days later, I got an award for sticking up for my, me and my friends. And I wasn't looking for an award, but... I still ha- happily took it, but I was like, I was standing up for my friends. I don't need an award for that. Why is it that you think that kids bully other kids that are different or at all? Maybe it's insecurities, and maybe sometimes something at home. Maybe they're really mad at the parents, and they decide to take it on someone else. Well, hopefully... Hopefully people will change and even see that you've, you know, built something very substantial that actually helps other people. So tell me about your work. What is it that you've done as a speaker, as an author? How, how did that come about? Well, when I got into college, I noticed there was a lot of things that were very limiting to me. For instance, one of my accommodations that I get a note taker, it's a complete useless accommodation if no one and if none of the classmates volunteer to take notes for you. Why is that? If no one takes notes for you, well, you don't get a note taker. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so something has to change. It's funny. I had to go through this huge long process of getting accommodations. Uh, and then they told me that well, we can give you this, and we can give you this, and we can provide you this, but we sort of cannot sort of provide you with this. All your professors have to say, someone in our, in our class needs a note-taker who wants to take notes, and no one volunteers. At least that's what's what's been like in my classes. Even though they get paid, still no one wants it. So... I don't know how much I get paid, but wow, even your incentives don't even work. So I was like, okay, the process of getting accommodations need to be cut down in more than half. And they also need to be a, a better accommodation than this. Colleges are not legally bound to give you accommodations at all. You made me sign all these forms and everything else, but I'm not guaranteed a note taker. Right. I was like, okay, that needs to change. After a few semesters, it first started out as a self-improvement project, becoming a better writer, and, to, and then evolved into advocating for those who are not as fortunate as I am, who are able to speak for themselves, or any motivation to live healthier lifestyles, or to help them get the support they need. In high schools and middle schools and elementary schools, in special education, you get IEPs. Well... IEPs don't work in college. You don't accept them, even though my college wanted proof of an IEP. And I was like, why? Yeah, you don't. I was like, you want proof, but you don't take them. So what the heck? Yeah, really? We want you to jump over one more hurdle. So then was your work that you did in response to that need in school? So what I've been advocating for, and there's some of them are in my articles on my website, And I've talked about that there needs to be better accommodations. There need to be more, more ways for people on the 
autism spectrum or just any extra challenges in general, better ways to help them who want to go to college, they can succeed in college. People on the spectrum are not stupid. We pay attention to close details. We always turn in stuff on time because we like structure and we follow deadlines. So we can do it, but we need the extra support. And maybe it won't be financial support from the college end, but there's got to be some other kind of way, some kind of other support system. And hey, here's a third of what you get from your IP and good luck. Yeah, that's definitely not enough. That's for sure. Do you think that there have been changes in the educational system that have started to kind of make up for these gaps? Or do you think it's still far from being at the place where it's decent? I think there's a long way to go. And again, I'm only speaking about my college at the moment because I haven't been into any others yet and I haven't seen what their guidelines are. And when I'm looking at or guidelines on learning and everything, it's all behind like red tape and everything. So we can possibly find it. Yeah, true. Do you think that you'll visit other colleges? Well, I've, I'm hoping to go to a four-year school after I finish my associate's degree at my current school. So I'm going to see which one is the right fit for me. So I'm sure I'm going to see some schools. I can stay in the local area because I don't want to and if you, because I need some extra support, my parents are helping me with some homework, understanding some homework assignments. If I don't understand what my professor's trying to tell me. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I think you're a hundred percent right that if someone has autism, they can definitely go to school like everyone else. And they definitely have a lot to offer in terms of their thoughts, their aspirations, their achievements. I think they can go through any degree program that they want and they can enter the workforce however they want. So you're totally right. I think that you and everyone else deserves all the help in the world, all the help you could possibly get. So I really hope that this work and this movement continues to build and that people notice and take notice of what it is that you're trying to do and what you're trying to convey to them. Definitely. I read in your bio, you mentioned you refer to yourself as slightly autistic. Why is that? Well, even though I'm on the spectrum, I don't like the, this terminology at all, but I'm going to use it because there's not another terminology I can think of, or they, and they haven't created a different terminology. I'm higher up on the spectrum. I'm on the high end of the spectrum, meaning I'm more independent than others, etc. I can cook, I can clean, I can do my own laundry, I can drive, I can do my homework by myself. Most of the time, depending on what the class is. English writing is still hard for me because of, of the commas and, and, and the, what's the word, formats, etc. And, and I can also go sh shopping on my own, even though I absolutely hate shopping. The only time I like shopping is for video games. And sometimes computers, but, and sometimes for all the technology, depending on what I'm looking for. But if it's like really, like really nitpicky technology, like, oh, this is a very rare piece of technology and you cannot find it in any store whatsoever. I'm like, no. And then you can, you try finding it online and it's not there, but try and 
find something specific and you can't find it. It's just annoying. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, I don't know, like, a whole lot about the spectrum or what it is that you have to go through or even what defines the spectrum. So I super, super appreciate you having patience with me as well. To be honest, one of my colleagues, he said to me, they, it's second I, because there's so much, many things that are on the spectrum that makes up the spectrum. It's tackling now is like a spider web, so to speak, because it, first you have like autism in the middle and Here's all the other traits and whatnot that are on there. So it's not just one big line anymore. It's just one big giant spider web that just one big massive keep growing and growing and growing. Hmm. Definitely intricate, like a spider web. This is so true. So, okay. So, Jimmy, I actually have some questions from our producer, Ray. So if it's cool, I wanted to ask these questions to you, if that's okay. Yep. Okay. So our producer, she's also on the spectrum and she really loves what you're doing. And she wanted us to, to ask you about how it is that uh, you are able to articulate to people who are neurotypical, what it's like to live through the lens of autism, wherever you are on the spectrum, especially around health and fitness, which as you know, is just a huge part of mental health. Definitely. And and mental health for people that are neurospicy, as she calls it. Um, for for these folks, physical and mental health are like the same thing. So she was curious about what it is that your journey with mental health and physical health was like. Well, when I got into fitness, before I got into fitness, I was I went through a time of depression and I and I was on this medication, I think it was Prozac or Risperdal. I know it's both, but I don't remember which one was it. Was this? I don't know which one was for which, but because I when I was on them, it, it was at a time when I didn't even know how to pronounce it, to be honest. So, and but I and I fell into this depression because I was like because of the bullying and some people and teachers weren't listening to me, and I got all had a kind of a nervous breakdown and and when I had the nervous breakdown I, I had a lot of autism meltdowns where I threw stuff I tipped over desks and I it was sort of a nurse of a call for help because I didn't know how to use my words in the right way and so I eventually so when I found fitness, when I started working out, I mean, I was, of course, sore because I never worked out before in my life. I mean, I ran around, but not consistently. I just was a kid. And when I started working out, I was like, man, I feel good, even though I'm like really sore. But I was like, how can I stay like this all the time? And so I, because P90X was, six days a week working out, I stayed on that schedule, even though that like programs, some of the programs on Beach by On Demand, they talk about, I mean, some of them are like, oh, you do this four times a week. And it's like, well, he's like, four, I'm going to do six. Uh, and just because it helps me keep it, keep my autism meltdown that bay. So it's not, not not overwhelming me anymore. And like, for instance, like last night 
I admit I was just kind of just ticked out at ticked off at everything. I'm like, just because of you know some companies, and and so I kind of had like a small autism meltdown, but wasn't as bad, and it was, but it it just stayed like around for an hour or two, and then when I went to karate. It's probably like less than all right. And then when I went when I went to karate for forty five minutes, I just got it all out of me. I was like, I feel a lot better. That might be those endorphins and the dopamine that our bodies are so mean and don't like to produce for us. Probably. That's it. So you talked a lot about autism today, your autism meltdowns. For someone that is neurotypical, someone who's uh neurotypical and doesn't really understand what that means. It's a, it's a whole foreign concept, autism meltdowns. Uh, for you, when you're going into one, while you're in it and kind of leaving that space, what does that feel like on the inside? It kind of feels like a, it kind of feels like a hurricane. And it, I used to like to say that it used to feel like an atomic bomb. But then I, but then I said, no, that, babe, that's just like really, that's just instant. Where a hurricane better describes it because it it's a buildup of energy, buildup of rain, wind, and everything. And if I remember correctly, it goes up to a Category Five hurricane, and so so I like to say yeah, an autism meltdown is like a hurricane where it starts out Category One and goes up to Category Five. And so speaking of those meltdowns, Ray uh, mentioned that the aftermath. So is it the case, and these are her words, that um, when when the, it's the aftermath part of, of the process that you don't really know uh, what exactly happened? It's, it's as though you're in the blindness of a hurricane and then coming out of it being like, oh, crap, I did these things. Yeah, and yeah. and I think the, one of the hardest parts of me to get out of an autism meltdown when I was growing up in school, is that I had people who reminded me the next day and say, well, I hope we don't have a recap of yesterday. I was like, no, why in the hell would you just say that? Understood. And then if there's one thing that you hope that others with autism who are looking to you for some kind of guidance, what would be the one message for them that you have if they're struggling to find their place in this, this world? It's okay to be different. I used to think being different was, I felt I was out of place. I felt like they went out of their way to make me feel a lot different. And I, I thought that was a bad thing, but now that I'm an entrepreneur, you know, you got to stand out to be different. So own it. Don't whoever says, oh, you're different. You know, Say so it's like, well, I'd rather be different than be dressed up as a stormtrooper in Star Wars and march the same way, wear the same uniform, wear the same, have the same personality. Holy crap! If if we go that route, no thanks. I don't want to live in that world. Well, thanks for answering race questions, Jimmy. We super appreciate it, and uh, we're super glad to have her on her on our staff as a producer and editor. So she helps us to edit this show and, and does an amazing job. So thank you, Ray. And thanks, Jimmy, for answering those questions.
Okay, I have a few other questions for you. Are you ready? Yep. So, my question to you, sir, Mr. Claire, is are you happy? There are days when I'm very, very happy, and then there's days where, well, I'm going to admit that I get really, really angry. For instance, I just feel like lately that there's a lot of companies just kind of, not to say, think I'm like super important or anything, I'm really highly important, but I just feel like companies are just messing with my brand and messing with me or just not taking me seriously enough. For instance, I pay for the social media marketing tool. Instead of giving me the $10, that a $10 discount that they were giving everybody for the upcoming renewals because their services were going offline for like two to three weeks. I mean, technically it was still up, but half of the, what they offer was not working. Like AI hashtags and, and, and everything else. Okay, why are you going to charge me 99 bucks for something that's not working? And then so the founder said they're going to get some everybody a $10 discount. Well, everyone got a $10 discount but me. So I had to follow up with, with them. I emailed them and I opened eight different tickets. I opened eight different tickets over a course of a few weeks. And of course, everybody just closed the tickets and everything because, you know, companies. So I, I finally decided, I was like, you know, I tried the polite way eight times and eight times, but Everything just like slammed in my face. I mean, metaphorically, if it was a door. So I called up my credit card company. I disputed it. And within an hour, I got my 10 bucks. Again, I, I, I know it's just customer service, but I just feel like there's so many companies these days just feel like, oh, well, because of the pandemic, we had to upgrade. We had to bump up all prices. And it's like, Oh, really? Are you sure it's not just your CEO wanting more money in his pocket or... So that's just how I was feeling. And then there's some days where I really feel like I'm on top of the world. Or and there's some days where, gee, every tool is breaking the demand that I have. And so would you say then that it's just you take it a day at a time or how would you say that you address when the days are kind of varied? Like when it's really good versus really bad, what would you say? Well, I would say that overall, I'm generally, generally happy. And then there just sometimes I, sometimes it can be a rough week where stuff just doesn't go right at all. And do you feel like that's okay? To be honest, I like when stuff goes right all the time. I think we all do. I think we all do. Okay. So the other question I have for you is if you could share a message with the world, any message at all, what would that message be? Don't give up, even though that times can be hard. Fun fact, let's just say my income to my website has plummeted to pennies for the last two years, and I've been making ends meet here and there, doing different stuff. Not a full-time job, not a part-time job, just different stuff with different companies. I'm not going to go into all the nitty-gritty details, but... Just making ends meet. At the start of this year, I was feeling very hopeful because I don't remember exactly where I heard it from, but this person said entrepreneurship is like an is like an elevator or a roller coaster. It doesn't just stay down all the time. It eventually has to go back up. And since I've been down for two years, 
well, they say it's third time's a charm, right? So it's got to eventually go back up. So I would say keep your head up held high and everything. And so far this year, I've, I feel like stuff has been turning around. I've been speaking more on more podcasts. I've gotten 20 plus projects done in the first three months, which is unheard of for me. And I've been applying to different speakers directories to pitch to speaking, speaking events, organizers and everything. So I can speak at their events. And my dad just told me recently that he used to be in sales and he used to have to call hundreds of people and get turned down by a lot just to get one sale. But he used to tell me, if you keep doing what you're doing, eventually somebody's going to have to, somebody eventually is going to say yes. And somebody's going to take a gamble on you and, and then it's going to be a moment of truth. And, and if you do a really good job, that person will recommend you to somebody else and that person will recommend you someone else and they keep going. Yeah. That's excellent advice. I think. And your dad is a very smart guy. At times. Well, in this respect, that's some very good advice. I think that it's wonderful that you are putting yourself in the directories and doing more projects. And I think that you will most definitely be able to continue sharing your story and speaking about all the wonderful things that you do. But thanks so much for being here with us. Tell everyone where they can find you on social. You can find me, to be honest, the best way you can find me is to go uh, crazyfitnessguy.com because I have one too many profiles because Crazy Fitness Guy has a lot and I have a lot so yeah well I think that there's definitely more than one way to do it and you are doing all that you possibly can so congratulations on everything that you've done and we look forward to seeing what you do in the future thank you all right well Jimmy Claire so lovely to meet you all of you lovely Are You Happy podcast listeners, we will see you next time on Are You Happy podcast. And Jimmy, have the best Friday of your life. Thank you. Bye. The Are You Happy Hour and Are You Happy Hotline are brought to you by Are You Happy Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media such as Instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. Are You Happy? The docuseries can also be found on social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys next time for another wonderful episode of Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. <laughs>